Wait, so Dan, how did, why are you the one who's covering this drama over daylight saving time? I mean, you, you're a health reporter. Is this, is this a health issue? Well, Martine, I would argue that it is an important health issue that affects all of us. But in truth, I also begged for this story. <laughs> That's Dan Diamond. He's a health reporter for The Post. There was a hearing on Capitol Hill about a week ago where the House was going to listen to experts talk about daylight saving time and whether we should change it. Today, we will uh, be holding a hearing entitled Changing Time. Um, re, uh, re, um, what is that? Revisiting. Revisiting spring forward, fall backward. And even though I'd been covering COVID and working on the Ukraine crisis, I mean, honestly, partly because of that, I just wanted one, one day of, uh, and pardon the pun, sunshine. And while there are certainly many topics that deserve our attention in this subcommittee, today's topic comes just a few days before we once again go through a ritual that many of us don't understand or care for. So I ended up uh, on the Daylight Saving Time beat, which is now jockeying, among other things, as something that Congress might actually make a, a new policy of. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Friday, March 18th. Today, we're talking about the Sunshine Protection Act, this bill under serious consideration that would keep daylight saving time forever. Because there's surprising consensus, at least in the Senate, that changing our clocks twice a year is dumb. So explain to me what's happening, because I feel like... Daylight saving time twice a year, the time switches and then everyone complains and says that their life has been turned upside down because the days are, you know, longer in the evening or longer in the morning or whatever. Um, but now it seems like there's actual real action on this issue. So so what is actually happening? First, the idea that we are going to spring forward and fall back that's normal to you. It's normal to me. I'd argue it's normal to virtually any listener who's grown up in the United States. It wasn't always that way. Uh, a century ago was when the national effort at daylight saving time was was first made. And then over the years, it has been modified to either be extended. At one point, there was an experiment to make it national year-round daylight saving time totally backfired. Congress reversed that quickly. But the idea that we do this has been, in some ways, a modern creation. Congress has looked at different ways of tweaking daylight saving time over the years. Back in 2005 was when Congress made its last change to daylight saving time, where they extended the period. The goal was to have that much more sunlight in the spring, the summer, the fall for shopping, for going out. Retail groups really liked this. But there's also been a push from health experts who say this clock change is bad for our bodies and we should figure out a way to live on one time and not have to switch back and forth. So what is Congress actually doing about this issue now? What are they considering? There are two separate efforts afoot, I think. First, and the eye-catching one, was in the Senate this week where they voted unanimously to make daylight saving time permanent. What that means is starting next year, we wouldn't flip the clocks back and forth. We'd spring forward one last time in the spring and just stay on that extended daylight period for the rest 
<laughs> rest of time, or at least as long as the U.S. Congress governs time. That effort, though, still needs to pass the House of Representatives, and it still needs to be signed into law by President Biden. The other effort that has been afoot, Martin, is in the House, where they're just considering what policy should we adopt? Should it be permanent daylight time where we spring forward and get that much more sunlight? Should it be permanent standard time, which some health experts argue is actually better for our systems? It's not forcing us to absorb extra sunlight that we don't need that might throw off our circadian rhythms, that might lead to more cortisol, and that if we move to daylight time, the drawback is it will be that much darker in the winter. There will be parts of the United States where the sun doesn't come up until after 9 a.m. That already happens in places like Alaska, but that hasn't happened in places like Detroit. But that could change if we adopt national permanent daylight saving. Well, it's interesting that this conversation is being driven by health concerns, but that those health concerns work in opposite ways, that even those who are concerned about the impact that changing the time has on our bodies, has on our driving, has on death rates in the country, that they can look at this debate and have different opinions about what is the right time to live in. That's exactly right. I mean, that's what makes it so fascinating. It doesn't feel like there's a clear answer. The argument to get rid of clock change that is palatable and also polls really well, two-thirds of Americans don't want to change their clocks. But what we switch to isn't so clear either. And there is a constituency, specifically retail associations, for instance, hmm. that say we should just stick with what we have. The Farm Bureau has historically been accused of, of wanting more daylight time because it's thought of as something that farmers would want. The Farm Bureau so far has just sat this debate out hmm. because you have to make a trade-off. And some would argue that the trade-off we make right now is annoying as the clock change is. It allows for more sunlight in the spring and summer, but also ensures that we have more light in the winter earlier in the day. So, Dan, let's talk a little bit more about what these health concerns are related to changing the time. There are a few different sets of concerns. One is just around what it means to change the clocks. There is some evidence that immediately after these clock change periods, there's a higher risk of heart attack and stroke. There appear to be more car accidents, groggy drivers. The argument not to go to permanent daylight time, as, as one doctor told me, is the added daylight would seem to mess with our circadian rhythms and create just a permanent sense of being out of balance. That if it was up to us, if there were no clocks governing our day, we would fall more along the standard time set. But if daylight time governed how we lived our lives, it would put more stress on our bodies. And there's some evidence to support that. And we know from 50 years ago, when the United States switched to permanent daylight time as an experiment, there was real fear of, of risk to, say, kids waiting for the school bus in dark mornings and being injured in some sort of accident there. So it's around public safety and public health. Tell me more about the debate over this in Congress. Like, who are the lawmakers who have been particularly vocal about this? It's been interesting that there's been so little debate. The lawmakers who have really pushed for permanent daylight time come from the state of Florida. They're Republicans. Vern Buchanan in the House. Marco Rubio in the Senate. Switching in and out of daylight savings time is outdated, and it's only a source of annoyance and confusion. Frankly, it's just dumb, and there's just no other way to say it. But this is bipartisan. Senator Patty Murray, the Democrat who leads the health committee and is from the state of Washington. I don't know a single person who loves to go through the trouble of figuring out 
Whether their microwave or their oven has the hour right. Senator Ed Markey from the state of Massachusetts, also a Democrat, they have backed this plan as well. So it stretches across the country and across parties. The fact that not a single senator spoke out about the vote this week to make daylight saving time permanent, that's highly unusual, Martine. Occasionally you get these unanimous consent uh, decisions, but they're usually on things like appointing a person to a job or some matter of business in Congress, not about a policy that's going to reshape the time. There was an expert on state policy who I spoke to about daylight saving time who said, I think about this as a big little issue. It's little in comparison to, say, the COVID crisis or a war in Ukraine, but it's big. It affects all of us. It affects our days. So the fact that the Senate didn't have any more debate on this, I think there are some lawmakers who are probably hearing from their constituents this week and may regret that they moved so quickly to pass it unanimously. But what do you think that says that of all the issues that are facing our country right now, that the Senate is most likely to move quickly and decisively on this? (laughs) I guess just like with daylight saving time, it depends uh, what side of the ledger you're looking for light on. The idea that Congress can still agree on a policy is remarkable. In some ways, that's heartening in an era where partisan politics have made it hard to find common ground. It's also, to your point, a little depressing that there are issues like Congress has failed to fund the COVID response. That's a story I've been working on uh, this past week. Billions of dollars in funding, the White House says, are needed. Congress cannot agree on a deal there. But the Senate could agree on this. So it, it raises a question of priority for sure. After the break, Dan investigates how President Biden feels about daylight saving time. Plus, we talk about what happened the last time we tried this. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. So if this were to pass the Senate and the House, like, obviously, President Biden would have to sign it into law. So do we know, like, what Biden thinks about this? Is he pro daylight saving time? Is he pro standard time? Has he talked about this before? So I spent two or three hours yesterday, (laughs) which in retrospect, maybe wasn't time well spent. But I went through all of his votes on daylight saving. I signed up for uh, the Delaware newspaper archive and was going through years and years just to see if he'd ever made comments on it, because I had exactly that question too. The White House, on the record, just dodges this, which to me suggests he doesn't really have a position. But 50 years ago, the U.S. tried this permanent daylight saving time, which is, again, what the Senate wants to do. Biden voted for it, but then he voted among the overwhelming number of Congress people to get rid of it. So he's already lived through this experiment and, in theory, knows that it backfired. Wait, why did it backfire? 
I think there was almost instantaneous buyer's remorse. So when permanent daylight saving time took effect in January 1974, it meant that those winter mornings were that much darker, people waking up in the dark, school kids waiting in the dark for the bus, some being injured or killed. Those reports started making their way to Congress. It's unclear to me, 50 years later, statistically how much more significant those deaths were, but certainly it captured the attention of a lot of lawmakers. There was legislation almost immediately introduced. And then across the year, there were multiple attempts to try and get rid of this new permanent daylight saving time that just a few months before the same Congress had put into place. So what is next in all of this? What will it take for a decision to conclusively be made about whether we're going to switch to one time for the entire year and which time that's going to be? Let me walk you through the policy and then the politics. First, the policy of moving to permanent daylight time around the country would still allow for an opt-out. In the state of Arizona, in the state of Hawaii right now, they have opted out of changing their clocks. They're on permanent standard time. Under the act that passed the Senate this week, they could continue to stay on permanent standard time. So there is a possibility that some states might say, we don't want to be part of national permanent daylight saving time around the year, but they would have to be on permanent standard time instead. They couldn't switch the clocks. If this is to become law, it still needs to be brought up in the House. They need to vote on it. They need to pass it through their chambers. And it's not clear to me that there's an immediate path to doing that, Martine. As soon as the Senate held this vote, I ran to my sources in the House and in the White House, and they were taken aback that it had moved so quickly through the Senate. To me, that's telling. There was no plan to make this law. It just kind of like the sun peeking out from a cloud just sort of appeared on Tuesday <laughs> afternoon and and the rest of Washington is racing to catch up. Dan, where do you fall on this? Like if you had it your way, what would we be doing time-wise? I mean, reporters aren't really supposed to have opinions on the policies they cover, but maybe this is uh, an exception. It's like having uh, an opinion on whether you like sunny or cloudy days. The fact that daylight saving time kicked in this week I was among the many groggy people on Monday and Tuesday who who just could not get a good night of sleep. And if you told me at 5 a.m. when I was tossing and turning that we could have instead uh, switched to no more clock changes, I would have taken that deal in a heartbeat. But once it got sunny here in Washington, D.C., and, and it was 7.15 at night and sunny and people are out, it made me really appreciate daylight saving time. So I think it's, you know, ask me in the moment. And I think that's also, Martine, part of the challenge here. People get really excited about daylight saving time policy and getting rid of the current clock change. I don't know how many people are going to care as much in three months. And that's what the House of Representatives might have to contend with. This is the moment to strike. The Senate did. The House is not ready to do it. And I don't think they'll be in any position in November when we fall back to make any changes because they'll be out on break and it'll be right around the election. So there will be bigger fish to fry than the clock change. I, I too, am a reporter who should not have opinions about this or anything else. But I will say... I kind of like it the way it is. Like, I like when in the springtime, the days are longer at the end of the day, everything's sunny and beautiful. I like that it changes back and that, that kind of like marks the end of the summer and the beginning of winter for me. I don't know. Maybe I'm a status quo person, but I'm team. Let's just let's just deal with the problems we have rather than bringing on new problems that we can't even anticipate. <laughs> team inertia. Dan, thank you so much. 
Martine, I always have time for you, uh, daylight saving or not. So thanks for having me. Dan Diamond is a national health reporter for The Post. Ariel Plotnick produced this story. If you, like us, are fascinated by the implications of all this, you should definitely check out this map made by our colleagues at The Post that shows how permanent daylight saving time would change sunrise and sunset where you live. We'll have a link to that in our show notes and at postreports.com. And we also want to hear from you. Do you prefer daylight saving time forever or standard time forever? Send us an email or a voice memo to postreports at washpost.com and let us know what you think. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was mixed by Renny Svernovsky. Our executive producer is Maggie Penman. Our supervising senior producer is Rena Flores. Our editors are Alexis Dio and Ted Muldoon. Jordan Marie Smith is a producer. Ariel Plotnick and Renny Svernovsky are associate producers. Sabi Robinson and Emma Talkoff are assistant producers. Sean Carter is our engineer. The post director of audio is Renita Jablonski. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back on Monday with more stories from The Washington Post. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, The Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen.